this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Kyle Devitt stops by to talk about what the PLL buying the MLL means for professional fielding. The deputy of the National Crossing, Jessica Berman, will join us to wrap up the second annual Players Business Summit. And we say goodbye to 2020. All that more on OTCB. I am an My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Flair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! dive into what it means with KD. Also, the Deputy Commissioner of the National Lacrosse League and Executive Vice President of Business Affairs, Miss Jessica Berman, will join us as the league has wrapped up a four-week Players Business Summit, uh, four sessions on Monday nights covering all things lacrosse business from social media, marketing, sales, um, investors, Expansion, broadcasting, lacrosse ops, all that good stuff. Got a chance to be a part of the broadcasting segment a few weeks ago. Uh, Great interaction with some of the players. So we will talk with Jessica about that process, what it means, what we can look forward to. And uh, we'll see if she gives us any other tidbits of information. I know there is lots going on. Um, and everybody wants to know when Team 15 is coming, uh, if April is a realistic chance, all those things. So we'll get into it with Jessica Berman 
in a little bit. But both interviews are quite lengthy, so we're going to get to them fairly quickly. Um, not a lot else going on in the lacrosse world on a scale of the big news of the week being the merger between the two pro field lacrosse leagues. So with this being the last show I'm going to do for 2020, I just wanted to thank everybody from you, the listeners who continue to support this podcast and all of the other lacrosse podcasts that are out there with your feedback, with your comments, with your suggestions, they are all appreciated. So have been your kind words during a crazy last few weeks of 2020 for myself. But more importantly, I want to thank you all for giving back and showing that the lacrosse family, when it is called upon, is always there for a brother or sister in need. And I think that's one of the greatest things about our little lacrosse community is how supportive we are. Sure, you can look at other sports and they all have their own ecosystem families. But man, do I love the lacrosse family. From all your support to Aaron Bold when his wife Michelle passed away, with it being the anniversary of Tucker Williams' passing, um, all the support that you've shown for the Williams family, uh, the donations to Uncle Brownie's Christmas raffle. Like, whenever something is needed and people are in pain and loss and suffering, you guys step up. And you guys do an incredible job. It's not just five, ten bucks. Like, you guys go all out sometimes. And it is absolutely amazing. The lacrosse family is one that I am thoroughly proud to be a part of. And I cannot wait to see all of you in person whenever that happens. Because I look forward to that day, as I know all of you do too. When we can be in an arena sharing a beer post-game, talking about what we just witnessed, and looking forward to the next great game. I hope that comes sooner than later, and I hope and I know that the people behind the scenes at the National Lacrosse League are doing all they can to make that happen safely for everybody. So as this year comes to an end, I hope we can all find a beautiful silver lining of hope and happiness to look forward to. As wild and crazy as 2020 was, there were some amazing moments before it all came to a halt. Vegas, what an experience. What a showcase for the National Lacrosse League on that stage just off the strip in Vegas. And I hope that it leads to bigger and better things to come in the gambling city. We had two new franchises coming to the National Lacrosse League, an incredible rookie class draft, and more excitement on the turf than we've ever seen before. 
It was an incredible year up until that day in March. So I hope that when you look back, it's not all COVID thoughts. Those first three months of, of 2020 were pretty darn good. So, 2021, you are on deck. Do not mess it up. Please. The biggest news of the week and of the last little while came earlier this week when Paul and Mike Rabel and the PLL swallowed up Sandy Brown and what was left of Major League Lacrosse. It did come as a massive shock to a lot of people. And I think there are probably still some people who are at a loss for words that this has finally happened. But it is something that was, in my opinion, and many others, inevitable. One of these two leagues had to swallow up and take over the other. They, In my opinion, they could not coexist much beyond this past season. And maybe it is a COVID casualty for Major League Lacrosse, but the way that their season ended with two teams having to withdraw from the MLL bubble in the semifinals due to COVID outbreaks, And then the championship game that they had and the exposure that they got on ESPN in the States and TSN up in Canada. It was a last hurrah. And they kind of went out with a whimper. And it was a perfect opportunity for the Rabels and the PLL to come in and finally make the deal done. Because it has been a deal that they have been trying to finance and get signed off on for a few years. There's a great thread on Twitter. And I did retweet it last night. And it's from a guy by the name of Joe Pompliano. And he's uh, Joe Pompliano, P-O-M. P-L-I-A-N-O on Twitter. And uh, he has a great little timeline thread of the history of the PLL. And sort of through the eyes of the Rabel brothers. So it's on my Twitter account, at Off the Crossbar. You can go check it out. And it's a pretty cool timeline of how sort of things evolved and things happened. And like I said, I believe it was only a matter of time before this happened. And unfortunately, the timing is a bit rough just before Christmas. And now you have one of six, quote unquote, teams moving on. And a lot of players and staff and personnel who sort of just found out that they've lost their job. And it was a surprise to... 97% of people involved in the PLL, sorry, in the ML, even the PLL. 
Kyle goes into that, how much of a surprise that it was. And it is shocking how well this was actually kept under wraps because we all know in the lacrosse world, when something is major and groundbreaking, it is very hard to keep it a secret in the lacrosse world. And it is very surprising that, and admirable, that the people that did know stayed true to their word and didn't let this news leak. It came as a shock to everybody. But it is a new beginning for professional field lacrosse. You now have a one-stop shop for everything pro outdoor. And I'm excited to see where the PLL can go. Because as Kyle will state and emphasize, you now have all of the eyes watching you. You got your wish. It is all yours now. So what are you going to do with it? Can you make it as big as we all want it to be? It will be very interesting to watch. They're bringing one team over. They will have an expansion draft and an entry draft and a college draft and all that stuff. But down the road, they'll probably add more. And the teams that they add will probably be reminisced old MLL franchises. Outlaws, Lizards, Bayhawks, the three biggest that aren't in besides the Cannons LC. It'll be incredibly interesting to watch how they maneuver through all of this. And we were all questioning when PLL started how the Rables would do. And so far, they've blown the doors off everything they've decided to try. This is their next big engagement. Now we see what they can do with it. Kyle Devitt has been a busy man the last few days. Podcasts, articles, writing, a few tears here and there, and probably a few evil laughs of enjoyment. But he knows the PLL and ML world better than most. And he and I go in depth of what this means for professional lacrosse moving forward. This is Kyle Devitt, 101, right here on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. One of the reasons I never thought this would happen is that both sides told me, high level on both sides, told me it would never happen. Joined now by Kyle Devitt. It was his voice that you just heard, and he was talking with Terry Foy uh, on an Inside the Cross podcast, talking about how he was told that this wouldn't happen by multiple people. And we're going to figure out why he was told that, why it happened, and a whole lot more. Kyle, how are you, brother? Uh, I don't know if I'm great. <laughs> uh, I, 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 the backlash of the backlash of the celebration yeah. is, is in full bloom. And I'm just kind of 
trying to find my way around it and and get to you know one of the things that I do is I, I try to find the truth of the matter of everything and I think that's this is a very complicated truth what we're working through so yeah it's, so it's not uh, it's not on the surface all smiles and congratulations and celebration because there are a lot of people who are now out of work and are now looking for a job so l- let's start at the beginning you were told by you said higher ups that this probably was never going to happen so why yep. now why 10 days before christmas and at the end of one of the craziest years our like has ever seen uh the simple answer i think is money mm. uh i think the money talks and the the other part walks as they say so i'm pretty sure that that was a big part of it i don't think that you know, I don't think either league was showered in profit uh, this this summer, but I think that MLL ending in the way that it did with two teams, you know, forfeiting, uh, going home, uh, players getting infected, like it, it is, it was bad. It mm-hmm. was a bad look. They, even though they were on ESPN or on ESPN2 and ESPN News and things like that, like it wasn't getting the pop that I think a lot of people expected it to. And, and I think PLL did. PLO had a lot of successes. Uh, I mean, not not everything was foolproof. Not everything was 100% over the top amazing. But with MLL, like, what were the successes? Yeah, I don't I don't know if they had that many. I, I think it was it was a it was a tough thing to watch. They had a new ball Oof. that they, like players like had trouble adjusting to, which is like by the way not the ball's fault. It's yeah. the league's fault for not getting the ball to the players so they can practice with it. Like there's all these like logistics that, you know, you can't keep cutting corners forever. Mm. If you keep cutting corners forever, you will get got. And I think that's kind of what happened in the end and, and monetarily it made sense for I mean, is it even a merger? It's more like an amoeba being like grabbed in by like name only. You know, it's one team going yeah. over. There were six, mm-hmm. you know, six teams full of guys, 25 man rosters, 30 man rosters. Like that's a, a big loss. And then it's the PLL's gain. I think everyone looked at, you know, I think people right now in this time we're living in, people have to look at glass half full. And I, I get that. I, I trust me. I think maybe this is it's okay now. It's been a, a day or two. It it's not all the way full. Mm-hmm. We're not all the way full. There there's uh, there's things to to go back and appreciate and understand about how all this happened, and you know, the personalities involved. I think is ev- what everyone wants to talk about, and it's more like I don't think it's personality. I think financially it just finally made sense for this to happen and i'm sure that there are a lot of stuff's going to come out about who and why that went down mm-hmm. um i've heard some stuff i can't talk about yet because i haven't substantiated it uh and i again i try not to put anything out there that i don't have three or more sources for yeah. i don't have three sources for stuff that i have heard today so i'm not going to put it out there but there's I think it's more interesting and less less cloak and dagger and more like this money went here, so this money went here kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the questions I was going to ask was, was there money exchanged through this all, do you think? Oh, there had to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I don't think that's going to come out. 
I don't mm. think the amount. If Sportico with the scoop and all that and all their inside stuff didn't get it, I don't know if it's going to come out until much later. Um, I, I I mean, there were numbers thrown around with price tags for the MLO when the Rables first went there to try and buy it three years ago. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if those are real. Right. You know, so there there's a lot of um, I would say until it's substantiated by a source that's trustworthy, I would not listen to any um, numbers that yeah. come out until that's been like put out officially. And they, it might never happen officially mm-hmm. as well. Like one of the things people are, are upset about that I, I've noticed and, and they're not wrong is, well, this isn't a this is a hostile takeover. This is a hostile move. And I'm like, well, I, you know, it's called public relations for a reason, right? Like, even if that was the case, do you think that they would call it that? Do, do you think that's how, you know, they would celebrate it? Do you think that's how they would position it? And they wouldn't. No no sane person would do that because you don't want to upset every fan base just to appease this other percentage of your... By the way, PLO has a, like, rabid fan base. Mm-hmm. Like a fervor <laughs> built from a PLO fan base. I've felt it. I have felt the I have felt the wrath of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, absolutely. You know, you can't just serve that. Now you have a responsibility. If you're the PLL and you know they know this, their responsibility to steer pro lacrosse where they said they were gunning. Yeah. They have a responsibility to put up now. There's no there's no excuses anymore to, for like this team. This league is you know trying to. You know, stop us. They're against us. It's not you against the MLL anymore or the MLL versus you. It's you versus the world and the rest of the sports that you need to get people to, you know, tune into yours instead of theirs. Absolutely. So that's a real thing. That's mm-hmm. that's that's the real thing. And looking forward, like that's the thing I'm interested in covering uh, as well as games. I mean, <laughs> lost in all this is. The fun part for me is like, ooh, let's build a team. Yeah, right. Do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's go. Let's go build Cannons LC. Like that. That. that I mean, listen, I got asked to do that within mm. two minutes of this of this news, and I was like, okay, well, we're not right now. Yeah. Um, uh, back burner. But <laughs> that's again, that's it's okay to see the glasses half full. I don't know if we're like celebrating how much eggnog is in the glass right, right. now. That's yeah, all. I know that. Or how much rum. Is in the glass sure. right now. <laughs> um, not how much rum yet. Exactly. Uh, so you mentioned Cannons LC. They're coming over, but not as a complete team. It's not the defending champions, which I agree with you would be kind of cool to yeah. see okay. that championship team cross over and play because those are all of the hypotheticals that we always ask. You know, what PLL team would match up with what MLL team if we had the champions? That would be cool. And another reason they didn't allow them because, as you mentioned, they had Sours and Teat. Which would be right. phenomenal. That'd be great. It would be great. Um, were you surprised that they only uh, are bringing one team in? I think it's one. Th- this is my theory. I think it's one team for now. Right. Which makes because, which would make sense because the PLO is smart, and they're smart in a way that like like find it again. It goes back to a lot of it goes back to money. Like I hate mm-hmm. to be the person that keeps saying that, but like the brand recognition alone. Of the Outlaws, yes, and the Bayhawks mm-hmm. in particular, and the Lizards, yeah, as the well. original, but a lot the, of the originals, a lot of the original teams. But yeah. I mean, Outlaws weren't original, original, but no, like, but they're they, one of the they, most yeah. popular teams. Oh, Bocklet's done a, a hell of a job with that group. Everyone loves them, 
Like that that's a team that like did things right for so long that they built up this huge fan base. PLL would be remiss to not bring and and create those teams not out of whole cloth but bringing in people that mean a lot to those organizations. Now, they're in the touring model. I think we're looking at this is just my theory personally. I think Outlaws Bayhawks come next year. Right. depending on how this year goes. And, you know, they could run a split season this year, depending on how the pandemic develops. They could do half of it uh, in one location, like they did last summer, and then they could kind of tour in areas that are safer, mm-hmm. um, which is a possibility. I don't know. I'm not sa- I'm not breaking news with that. I'm saying like, that's a possibility <laughs> for, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. for them to do. Like, it would make sense for them to try that. And then eventually, like, the Ravels always said this. People are missing this. They always said that it would be great to have cities and teams right now that's not feasible for the business that they were building and the, and where they saw lacrosse, but like eventually lacrosse will get to that place mm-hmm. and it makes more sense to have, you know, the, the tribalism that sports teams create. And the reason that people become fans of them uh, is, is has obviously changed with technology and the way people consume games, media highlights, uh, players uh, in social media, but when it comes down to it, there's nothing better if you're a sports fan to sit in your team's stadium and watch them win, right? And that's that's ultimately the the goal I think of of PLL. I think again we're talking one, two, three, four, five years out mm-hmm. of this being a possibility, but. MLL getting or PLL getting all of MLL's uh, mer- like image rights, merchandising. I'm, I'm assuming their video catalog, all of that stuff. They're not gonna not use that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. The, and they're very good at creating merchandise. Like they trust sure. me, they're very good at it. And they're going to make when the time is right. I'm sure they'll let this rest for a little bit. When the time is right, they're gonna have outlaws bayhawks lizards i mean they'll go all the way back they'll have new jersey pride retro shorts oh yeah you know yeah, like right? yeah these are yeah. the things that like they're already thinking about i guarantee you there's a vision board somewhere mm-hmm. where all of this is mapped out i haven't seen it bring what back the san francisco dragons exactly <laughs> yeah you know what's funny someone asked me like who hates me on every team and i was like dragons dragons oh Eric Martin, <laughs> you know, like, and I was going through and I was, I was like, did you ever think about that? Have you looked back at, at, at some of these older rosters of teams yet or, or gone through any of that? No, not really. No, it's fun. Uh, I mean, it's not fun cause <laughs> circumstance, but like in terms of like nostalgia, mm-hmm. like getting a little inhalation of it, that's like positive in a way to look at it, not such a negative way. It's kind of fun. We're we're doing a couple articles at, at IL about that, and I'm uh, I'm enjoying the research. Let's yeah. put it that way. Um, you mentioned the success of PLL social media, and you mentioned that they've done so many things right, and they continue yeah. to do so many things right. Was there one thing that you think the MLL did better than the PLL that maybe they can incorporate? The MLL treated teams like teams. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like PLL kind of treated teams like commodities, mm. which is not an insult. I, I don't mean that as an insult. Like that's they have every right to do that. Uh, I think that the way that in the PLL your your 
jersey and your stick and your all of that stuff is under scrutiny and, and and highlighted and it's great for marketing. It's phenomenal for marketing. The team you're on, I don't think is the most important thing to how they construct their uh, forward facing media. And that's the thing about PLL too. So PLL and uh, you know is is kind of a their their own media company mm. as well as a merchandise shop as well as a lacrosse league. Like this it's it's a they're trying to make it a one-stop go. All your content one place. Here you go. Vlogs, we got people writing for us. We got podcasts. We got that's uh, we got we got t-shirts. We got t-shirts of stuff that just happened in a game. Mm. You know what I mean? That's how advanced they're trying to think and how how um, hard they're trying to hit the nail right before they put it into the wood. Like that's that's how micro focused they are. I think when you do that, you miss the bigger picture of game analysis, teams, uh, team identity, mm-hmm. uh, even coach identity, like how uh, and then uh, tactical applications of things, you know, like things like that. I think that they missed and MLO didn't do that, but MLO allowed that to be a storyline. Do you know what I mean? Like PLL yes. does a lot of their storylines around players, whereas MLL did storylines around around teams. Yes. And yes. I en- I enjoyed that. I, I mean, I again, that the fun thing about that is that PLL allowed us uh, journalists, people covering them to create those narratives. Cuz like they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So we were like, all right, well, why are the water dogs bad? Well, you know, they have the same player all over the field. Mm-hmm. And they're all doing the same thing, and they all like to go to the same spot, so that's why. And you know, we would kind of like create craft that narrative, and and it was fun, and it was creative, and it was it was great for us to do that. But I think with MLL, they would put out a team and be like, uh, the, for example, the the Florida launch led by Casey Powell, but also uh, the fast running run and gun Florida launch with you know Kira McCardle uh, dishing and, and things like that. Like, yes, they would lead with players, but style made the fights. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that, that's what I enjoyed. And I think PLL will, will learn from that. I think, I think PLL will apply that. That's one thing I think that they are missing. Um, but in general, like the team concept was stronger in MLL because it was traditional. Right, it was much more traditional in how they presented, and then how they executed uh, in games. You know, they did the the same. Like, if you covered a football game, and you covered an MLL game, it would be very similar in terms of how you did it. Mm. Covering a PLL game, I think, was a little different because you not that you would get denied access or anything like that, but the storyline that you would think about because you're constantly getting bombarded mm. by social media even if you're working and you're professional you're getting bombarded by ideas and if you're if the ideas don't match up with what you're reading and watching you have to like craft your own thing and 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 get to your own truth there uh so i think that if PLO can do something different and and better uh it's to showcase teams and push mm. teams and uh push storylines around teams not just the one storyline they pushed with every team, which was, we're so disrespected. We're so slept on. No one believes in, like, 
shut up. <laughs> like, no, I'm so sick of it. Yeah. Everyone is. By the way, the fans are sick of it, too. And, it's not just like me whining. Yeah. Trust me. Do you think that 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 comes from a not having base cities where it's separate entities working those stories so they can be a little more aggressive in telling those storylines? Mm-hmm. And also the fact that I'm still noticing lacrosse players as tough as we are tend to have very thin skin. So if you do say something bad about them in an article or in a broadcast or whatever, they seem to slide into your DMs and complain and bitch about why you're calling them out. Yeah. uh, That's a huge part of it. Uh, I think that's what makes, by the way, that's what makes lacrosse stay small. Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not having thick skin will make lacrosse small forever. You need to know when you have a bad game. And, And you know what? They all do. Yeah. They don't want to hear it. But unfortunately, it's somewhat a part of it. Now, I, I think that uh, take, taking myself in particular, one of the things that I've learned is if you're going to give bad news, give good news, right? So if you're going to write about something that was negative that happened in a game, write about positive things too. Mm-hmm. Don't just write about the negative things. Trust me. I love writing about negative. I just think it's fun. There's a lot more, me- <laughs> there's a lot more, more um, metaphor and, and room to describe things uh, negatively. And and by nature, and I've said this many times and I haven't had to explain it every time, I am a destroyer. Mm-hmm. Like I wanna see why this happened. I wanna pick apart a play. I wanna pick apart a team. I wanna pick apart you. You know, like, and not in a way that's mean, in a way that's um, satisfying and explanatory. Mm. It just come, it does come off mean sometimes when you're like, all right, well, this guy never shoots this shot because he doesn't trust his left hand overhand uh, motion or he's got it. He's carrying an injury. Like no one wants to hear that. I mean, fans don't want to hear that. The players, I mean, yeah, none of the players want to hear how much, you know, I, I can tell you, I had a conversation with a player who is retired now. And I was like, Hey, what are you gonna do when your deals up with this company? And he, we were walking and he stopped and he goes, how do you know that my deal's ending? And I was like, you know, that's like my job, right? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, but like, how do you ask me about that? Like, that's, I'm like, that is also my job. Yeah. Like, I'm supposed to know, like, once, and and this was like three years ago, but once things like that, you know, become different, but at the same token, last year, I had a player FaceTime me out of nowhere. (laughs) How did you get my number? what is going on? I'm in a car or what's ha- I have to pull over now. Like what's happening. And he's like, what's up, man? Let's talk. I'm like, Hey, how, what, this is my personal number. Like what's going on here? Yeah. Like we've never yeah. talked before, you know? And, and, but it's fine. Like it, the, the, the way to do that is, is to roll with it. But that's also this generation of players coming up is yes. much more savvy, and like happy and not happy, but like willing to communicate. I think because the the entire and this is not me being uh, old man Kyle, I don't think, but like the entire um, newest generation coming up, this this whatever you want to call them, Gen Z, whatever, they are comfortable with virtual communication no mm-hmm. matter what. Mm-hmm. That is like they're okay with it. And if they want to like go at you, they go at you. But if they know that they hurt your feelings or you hurt their feelings, like it's easy to go through DMs. Like I've definitely had players be like, Hey, you spelled my name wrong, like publicly. And I'm like, Hey, next time just shoot me a DM and I'll fix it. Like, I'm not doing it to hurt your feelings, dude. Sometimes stuff gets auto-corrected. Sometimes 
you know, it doesn't get copy read. Sometimes it gets missed. Mm-hmm. Like, li- listen, how many times has have have you spelled Dylan Ward's name maybe wrong once? Yeah. Or like turned in something or said something and someone transcribes it. Yeah. And it's like the wrong spelling of Dylan. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm getting a DM now. Come yeah. On. yeah. You know, like that's the kind of thing, too, where like we should be right. But at the same time, players do need to you, you all need to thicken up because it's it's going to get if you think it's bad now, guys, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't know what he's talking about. It's about to get worse. More media eyes mean more scrutiny. Yeah, and more people that are good at their jobs. Job, yeah. That is that is the thing. Like the the, <laughs> it's. I was looking through uh, stuff yesterday, and I, I found this quote that uh, when I used to coach, I wrote it on the board once, and it's uh, the the top of the mountain is lonely, but the journey is worth it. You know, the journey is the hard part. Yeah. Like that. That's the thing. Like now you're in the journey, man. Mm-hmm. Like you're already look, you can you have a new mountain now. Like it's a new mountain for PLL. So, you know, best of luck with them. I'll, I'm there to help. I'm not there to hurt anyone's chances or, or pro across in any way. It's all about building and making things better. Uh, making things better will be including in a huge pool of talented players coming into the PLL. Uh, we know Lyle um, is going to be pretty good. In the PLL. <laughs> yeah, he I might he, he might have some success. He might maybe go number one overall in whatever draft he's involved in. Sure. Uh, outside of like the main kind of group of four or five guys, who do you think is going to be the most excitable? Mikey Schlosser. Nice. That's my pick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was going through. Uh, Again, I've done a couple of podcasts, and I was like, who did I not talk about that was, like, is one of my favorite? Oh, whoa, I haven't even said Mikey Schlosser's name yeah. yet. Like, his style of – I don't know the the um, reduction in the field mm-hmm. might be an adjustment period for him because he typically is a guy that gets uh, up to speed at a certain time and, right. and room. Um, but Mikey Schlosser's one. I think I think Dan Baccaro had, like, a, an unbelievable campaign that in his rookie year that people didn't even watch. Yes. Um, I think there's a lot of great goalies coming in, um, and it, there's not enough spots for all the great goalies. That's why I wish there was two more teams just for, yes. so the goalies can play. Right. Like, again, going back to Dylan Ward. Dylan Ward didn't even play. Like, that guy's got championships mm-hmm. at all levels in all different kinds of lacrosse. Like, that's you, Nick Morocco, Sean Scannone. Like, these are guys, that, Brian Phipps, these are guys that can come in and start. Yeah. Like if you're a goalie on a PLL roster, you're not you're not safe just because you played two years. Like exactly. that those yeah. that's a position, and this is one of the things I talked about on the podcast with Foy is that you know positionally, I think it varies a lot, mm-hmm. and we also have to see how deep these um, protected rosters would be for the PLL. Is it going to be the same as it was for the Water Dogs or not? And imagine being a team that has to go through a protected list and you just got made from a protected list. Right. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is uh, it... Or is it just going to be an MLL team? That could be fun too. I don't think they'll do that. Uh, but that would be cool. It would. Like they need to transfer over some brand awareness of people that are just PLL fans. Because there are people that are their only pro lacrosse that they've ever known their whole shiny, wonderful lives is PLL. And now you're bringing over all these. And they're like, who's that guy? Right. You know, so that's that's kind of one of the things that, that interests me as well. Uh, looking forward. 
Um, you mentioned you mentioned the the size of the field difference between PLL and ML. How hard is that adjustment? Do you think for some defenders? Uh, I think it's actually harder or for like LSM, you know, guys yeah, who have to LS, go between LS, the lines. Guys in the middle of the field, I yeah. think one of the things you saw in the second season of PLL is, uh, and it, again, it, this is something I talked about is is transition game, right? Like the the transition game is completely different when there's ten less yards. People don't think that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Like that, a lot can happen in ten yards. Mm-hmm. Ask anyone in any other sport. A lot of stuff can happen. Um, I think there's a lot of adjustment periods for certain kinds of players. I think, you know, you also, listen, here's one thing you can't be in the PLL slow. Can't be slow. No. If you're slow, you are out. You are not going to get a spot because there are all these quick, fast, powerful guys coming off the wing, coming out of the box, uh, regardless of their physical size or stature. I mean, Pat Harbison's one of the best short stick defensive transition players in the world. You know, I mean, these guys are already there. So you have to beat those guys out for a spot Mm -hmm. and that's going to be tough. I mean, you saw a guy like perfect example, TJ Camizio, what his, he had one year in the MLL as a rookie and he was the second best short stick DMD in the league, in my opinion. And he was one of the best transition players in the league, if not the top, a top three, right? He goes to the PLO on the Whip Snakes. He's the third short stick DMD. Like, yeah. we're making adjustments here, guys. Like, if you're not ready, uh, you're not going to get on a team. And and that's – in competition breeds excellence, right? So you're going to see the best players. And I saw some some tweets about, like, uh, guys, like, being political, being on rosters. I don't think that's as accurate as people are making it out to be. There was politics in the MLL too. Like don't, don't play like there wasn't, yeah, you know, like yeah. that's, that's a part of things. Um, and there are veterans have seniority in every sports league ever. Yeah. So calm down. <laughs> like it's good. You can, you can cry about it and you have every right to, but like there are guys that have played for 10 years that, they're going to get that roster spot. They yeah. paid their dues. And maybe if they don't produce two years in a row, they're out. But we'll see. I saw Coach Tower saying that Curtis Dixon was safe and he'll be playing attack and he won't have to worry about going and play midfield. <laughs> of course. Yeah. He's like, finally, all my years in sport, the sport have finally paid off. Yeah. Superman gets gets grounded. <laughs> right. Um Speaking of Canadians and in the PLL, there's obviously going to be a, a good bulk of guys that were MLL guys coming over Mark Matthews, Shane Jackson, Randy Stotts. Um, the list goes on of NLL box first guys with the way that this summer of lacrosse is shaping up with the NLL starting in April and then the PLL season. Do you think teams might shy away from box first guys? If there is a possible overlap, there is precedent for that. Yeah. So when, when there was overlap with MLL, there was precedent for that. I don't know if there's precedent for that for PLO, but I think, you know, the the summer series are are suspended still, correct? Say for again? The summer series stuff that isn't NLL. Oh, like the Canadian Summer Leagues? Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. We're still unsure what we're doing up here. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, guys are looking to that, and there, there used to be like a, that's how you combine your paychecks to make your money to be a professional lacrosse player. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't think PLL will stand in the way of that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. Uh, I do think that, you know, that it could create the secondary market for guys that, you know, well, NLL will give me this. What will you give me? You know, things like that. Like, that's a part of it. Uh, well, when are you playing your games? Well, here's when I'm playing my games. There were guys that played – there's a litany of guys that played – uh, summer series uh, box yeah. that also played MLL. Like it was just sometimes they missed games, sometimes they didn't. You yeah, know, some was, guys played PLL too, and some yeah, and yeah. some guys played PLL. Yeah. So it's it's definitely um, a consideration. Do I think it's going to have a massive impact? No, not right away. Yeah, not until we know what kind of uh scheduling we're looking at mm-hmm. like again if it's a bubble situation then you know that could be problematic but you could that could just be part of the season right you know it could there could be other factors to to put in there um i'm really just kind of chomping at the bit to see if this class of rookies that's coming in from the collegiate ranks just that's the thing you have to look for man that's that's going to be really exciting uh all the guys that got extra years that already got drafted or whatever it doesn't matter now yeah no one got drafted by anybody yeah your rights don't transfer over your rights are in the ether there's going to be another draft um and the rich will get richer in terms of talent with teams that already exist if that happens even if it happens after the expansion draft so you know is is one team this is the question i keep getting asked is one team of the best players in the mol good enough to play in the PLL? And my answer is yes. And my only caveat is who is coaching them? <laughs> Pseudo. Then they're fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a great answer. Yeah. Uh, if it's like a person that I haven't heard of or doesn't, if it's someone that, if they bring someone in like they did with Copeland that doesn't yep. have pro experience, they will struggle. Mm-hmm. That is, that is a transition in professional lacrosse that is underrated and not talked about enough and i actually i myself kind of was like he'll be fine that team's too good brody's on it they'll be fine yeah but you know historically teams were not fine unless they had a coach that was like dialed in had a plan and had had experience so i think that's something that you look for i mean i don't think sean quirk is going to be the coach of cannons lc Mm -hmm. i don't i don't think he's coming over i think it could be someone like um Joe Spilina. It could be BJ O'Hara. It's it, it, if they're hiring a, a person, they have to hire someone with experience that wants to do it. And, and that players like, yes, because that's a big part of coaching pros. Mm-hmm. If the players don't like you, you're out. Or if the one, if the leading player and the leading group in the locker room doesn't like you, you will not stay the coach. Yeah. There is no bill Belichick in lacrosse. It's not happening. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that, that you have to have, you know, the soft hand and you have to have a plan and your guys have to like you or you will lose. Absolutely. Um, couple more here. And these ones, I should probably should have asked this one first before I ask that question, but can PLL and NLL coexist? Do you think? <sighs> I think they have to, right? Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that like the, 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 the like lame answer? I think they have to, but you know, we've seen that, um, it NLL doesn't always play nice. They don't always play nice. I I know. Like I'm sorry for the everyone. Most of the people listening to this are going to be Canadian. Like they don't always play nice. 
and if you're a box fan like you know it's it's tough to like always to not know when your favorite player is going to play is rough mm-hmm. like you want that kind of experience when you go to I had, I had a friend who would go to um rochester games and he would be like where's jammer jammer cam and he'd like take a pic in so far away and he would just take a picture and put it on his Instagram. <laughs> Jammer Cam, got him. I'm like, I can't even tell what this is. This is blurry objects. Yeah. You know, like that kind of um I think NLL has that kind of loyalty and those kind of fans that that and and I don't mean this as as a slight at all. I think it's actually a compliment that NLL fans are great fans because they're like blue collar into the team, into hard work into winning that is i mean that's what nfl fans are too so like that's something that they have in common that's what hockey fans are like that's a big part of building loyalty are pll fans like that Mm, i don't know and again is that is that because they don't have hometown teams and it's just club teams and it's just one big big pool yeah, it's a big part of it, and there's there's no because um, you're, you're cheering for your favorite players, not necessarily your favorite team now. Yeah, or or like your team. This team has the most players from the college that I like, so yeah. I like this team, and that's yeah. how you pick your team. On one hand, it's cool; you can just pick whatever team you like. Yeah, but where's the loyalty? Exactly. Where's it built from? Where's where's it come from? Where does your love of the team come from? That that is the thing that I think NLL has an advantage over over PLL in, and, and I don't know how that translates to, to players picking or anything like that, or or even fans. But I I do believe that they will do their best to mitigate whatever player triage might happen. Yeah. I do think that they will try, which is which is like more than I can say. I could have said for MLL, mm-hmm. they didn't. They can say they did. Uh, listen, I've talked to the players. I've talked to the coaches. I've talked to front office people. If it's too expensive to fly a guy out, they just won't do it. They just yeah. never do. Yep. So, sorry. <laughs> um, where am I going to go next? Uh, Sandy Brown. The transition process will be in place between MLL and PLL and how that all happens. What is his future, do you think? I don't think he's going to work with PLL. At all? Yeah, no. I, I think he'll be a big part of the transition and the oversight of, of the transfer of things. But I do not think he will be on the board, and I do not think that he will be a part of what they're building next over there. That, that doesn't mean he won't you know, be a part of lacrosse somewhere else. I, I couldn't tell you, but mm-hmm. I, I don't. My impression, and this is early, so I could totally be wrong. Uh, is that he will not be involved moving forward after the transition. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. I, I just don't think he would want to be a part of it moving forward after everything that kind of gone down between both sides. Yeah, I mean, and listen, like he, he took that job, uh, you know, on the heels of another MLL scandal of players' data being <laughs> released and <laughs> right? getting a new commissioner and looking for one for a year and a half. Like he wasn't put in a position to succeed. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. But PLL did happen under his watch, you know, and, and they, I, I still think that everything would be so much better if they just sold the MLL to the Rabel brothers three years ago. Yeah. Like none of this would have happened, but great things came out of it too. Mm-hmm. So you can't get super upset about it. Uh, you can get super upset, but I mean, you can't change it. Right. And I, I think, you know, there's some level of responsibility that needs to be uh, born there. 
and I, I don't think that, yeah, because of that, I don't think that he will continue with the PLO in an official capacity. Yeah. You mentioned, and this will sort of be the last one, you mentioned um, the fact that the Rables were kind of trying to buy MLL in previous years, just trying to make this move happen a little sooner. Do you think now that this has happened, and do you think that this was a surprise to players that it happened right now, or do you think there was some sort of rumblings throughout the player pool? Because I know Terry Foy said he was one of a few people that actually were embargoed and knew about this. How much of a surprise was this, do you think, to the players? I will tell you that uh, the coaches didn't even know. The coaches were notified on social media. Wow. Like everyone else. Uh, and I, I assume that holds true for players. I know there was meetings. The There was plenty of meetings after the announcement. But I do believe that that was not done purposefully or nefariously. I do believe that it was done in an effort to keep it a secret until the final I was dotted and the final T was crossed. Right. I, I do believe that. Do I think it's right? No. No. I don't think it was right to do that. But, you know, again, the milk is already spilt. Mm-hmm. So you can you can still get upset. About, I'm upset about it for people that I care about that lost their jobs. That upsets me. It upsets me. Like, I have good relationships with these coaches. Like, we built them. Like, they're real. It's not just for my personal gain that I care about what happens with Tom Mariano or Spencer Ford or BJ O'Hara or any of these other guys. I don't want that that is not what i'm in lacrosse for Mm. you know like i i know that like it's part of my job but like covering lacrosse is a calling it's an emotional piece uh for those of us that do it for as long as people like you and i have done it It, it's it's meaningful it's a connection that you have with the game with the people that play it and an appreciation and it's like your job to oversee that Mm. and to be a pretty good human while you're doing it or the best that you can be you know, and that's one of the things that I'm, I'm looking at and, and seeing that's getting a little missed here uh, in terms of everyone celebrating and, and, and trumpeting and, and all these things. And listen, you have every right to do that. Like the war, you won the war, the battle's over, the fight's over. Like, OK, what are you going to do with it now? What are you going to do now? You know, like it's not going to no one's going to rest and keep patting you on the back, man. And, and if, they, if you think that's going to happen, you are crazy. Mm. And if you, you, you know it's not happening from me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> they know. They know. Yeah. Trust me. I've sent some texts. You know, yeah. I, I think it's, it, it, for the long run, like I said, it's good for the unification of the sport moving forward. It mm-hmm. is good. There, there were plenty of investors, I'm sure, that were waiting to see how it played out. And now they have one place to put their money, and yeah. that money will go to PLL. And that's good news because more investors means more teams, means more players, means more games, means more, more, more lacrosse. Yep. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful it's, thing. It's, it's great. It's meaningful. You know? um, what's your lasting image of Major League Lacrosse? <sighs> Man. Uh, I've told a, a bunch of stories and they're, they're going to come out, I think, in a while uh, in different ways. But, you know, the <laughs> I think one of the things that happened that this, I don't think I've told this story is uh, I, I used to do like video blogs and, and uh, things like that for the M, 
before the MLL when they w- were trying to be what PLL is uh, back like 2009-ish. Okay. Uh, they they gave me one of the they, we didn't even have like camera phones that were good enough to take video. They had flip cams. Do you remember flip <laughs> yeah. cams? I'm they old enough to remember flip cams. Yeah. Yeah, you're old enough to remember <laughs> a dead industry. Yeah. Um, so we they gave me one and I was filming uh, the players entering uh, the, the Harvard Stadium. I was I was at a Cannons game. And uh, <laughs> Nikki Polanco well, runs up, sees me filming. Like, I guess, you know, I did, I've never met him personally, but he's like, sees me filming. I'm like laughing. And he does his entire warm-up routine, swinging his stick, no joke, like a samurai, <laughs> two inches away from my face. The entire, doing high jumps, yeah. screaming, yelling like Ray Lewis. And I'm like taking the whole thing. And uh, he just walks off, doesn't say anything. And I was like alone and I was like, that just happened. <laughs> oh my God. Like that's the fun stuff about the MLL that I appreciated. The access to players was amazing. Mm. It, it maybe was, it was almost like before it's time in terms of uh, what I could, what players would tell me and what I could use was, di- was very different things. Um, but it was a great experience to cover i love lacrosse i played lacrosse uh, not my whole life i wish i played it uh, before i did uh i might have been i definitely would have been better uh <laughs> but it's one of those things that like i've always connected with and and it's it was an honor to like be i was kind of one of the voices of pro lacrosse for mm-hmm. a while maybe i still am maybe I, was, I, I don't know i don't care i just all i know is like this is what i want to do i want to do it to the best of my ability um, and I, there's plenty of room for everybody. I think that's one of the things I learned the last summer is like, I can't be mad at people for wanting to do what I do anymore. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, it's one of the things that like it, lacrosse is pro lacrosse at a point where there's going to be lots of people that want to cover it and going and going to be lots of talent in, you know, coming in to do it. And, uh, I hope that you're all better than me. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, Oh, absolutely. I, we want the next people who come after us to crush what we've ever done. Yes. Yes. But at the same time, I still want to drop 50 on your neck. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Get out of my way. I'm dropping yeah. 50. Yep. Pass me the rock. Um, last question. What's the first question you ask the Rables when you get the opportunity? Uh, <laughs> I have an opportunity. I probably could do it right now. Um, I would ask them when they start, when are they going to start hiring GMs? Ooh. Cause I want to be a GM. I do. Me I know too, that's crazy. That'd be awesome. That'd be... I want to be I want to be a GM of a PLL team. I do. I've all, and I want I always wanted to be a, a GM of an MLL team before PLL existed, but now you know, we're moving, we're growing. Here we are. I build teams. You know, I listen. These these coaches they call me for for on draft day. Yeah. You know, that's what we do. It's fun. We do. My man, this yeah. has been a pleasure as always. Uh, what a wild and crazy past few days. Happy belated birthday. Um, well, it's not, it's not belated. We we messed that joke up. It's actually on Christmas Day. Uh, well, happy early birthday. Early birthday is good. Do you Thank get you. double the presents? No. <laughs> Did you always on, think man. you should? 
I mean, listen, you know what's funny about having a Christmas birthday is uh, when I was a kid, it was awful. But as an adult, um, my parents and my friends now overcompensate because <laughs> they can. Yeah. So I'm just going to ride it out. I'm going to ride it out and not complain about it because I can't complain about it now. Uh, I never had a birthday party as a kid, but like, who cares? Because now I get to have one with that's my special little hour with my family and my friends at four o'clock on Christmas Day. And awesome. People say happy birthday, and it's my, it gets to be my birthday for a little bit, and there it's fun. Go. Buddy, I hope you're safe. Uh, all the best to the family over the holidays. This has been great stuff, and uh, as they say, keep the change, you filthy animal. Yeah, also you, and thanks for having me on. And listen, man, stay safe. Everybody wear a mask. It's not over yet. There he is. That's Kyle Devitt of Inside the Cross magazine. Great stuff, as always, from KD. And a lot of... You know, interesting thoughts come out of that. Do they decide to create home bases for these teams? And does that create a more rabid fan base? Because like I said, and this is how a lot of people feel, is that, and maybe it's just because the PLL is so new. However, It is hard right now to cheer for straight-up teams. And a lot of people were just cheering for individual players, you know, and they're choosing their teams based on individual players. Why were so many Canadians high on the Chrome or Chaos Train was because they had so many Canadians on their team. And... That has become, you know, early on a bit of a deciding factor on how their fan engagement is. And maybe that's fine with them. Maybe that is actually what they are going for in this tour-based model system. But I think at some point, having city-based franchises would be where the PLL sees themselves. And like Kyle said, there is nothing better than sitting in your home team's stadium, arena, park, whatever, and cheering them on to victory. So I look forward to what is next for the PLL. I'm interested to watch how they interact with the National Cross League as well because that is going to be a huge thing in the spring slash summer of 2021. Just so we're clear, the April start date for the National Cross League isn't something that they are going to do moving forward. This is just a COVID start date. So there may not be such a massive overlap between the two leagues moving forward beyond 2021. So if they can find a way for the National Lacrosse League to play, say, November through June, mid-June, and then have the PLL start the beginning of July, and then run through the summer, then you can truly allow players to be full-time lacrosse athletes 
get paid by pro, both pro leagues, continue to make a living, and not have to worry about which league or team they're going to play for. If that can happen, then there is a truly great opportunity for lacrosse players to make a living as a pro lacrosse player. And for decades, that has been the goal. We don't necessarily need the NLL to be a 10-month league for these guys to be full-time pro athletes. If they can play in both leagues at separate times and not have that overlap, then that really works out for everybody. And sure, it may be a major hit to the Canadian Summer League. But as I have stated before, I believe the CLA and the Canadian Summer Senior League's Major Series NWLA are going to find themselves at a point where the world's best players aren't playing in their leagues because they are getting paid to be professionals in the highest leagues that are around. I know a lot of summer fans don't like hearing that. But that is the way that we are heading towards. And it will be very interesting to see how everybody coexists once we get there. 2021 is going to be a different season all around. It's going to be a different year for everybody, however it happens and or looks. But if we can get back to normalcy for 2022 or the 21-22 season, then that's when we're going to really start to see how this all plays out. Jessica Berman and the National Lacrosse League have just finished their second annual Players Business Summit. Last year, they did this in person, obviously, because they could. This year, due to the circumstance, they had to do it over Zoom chats. And for the past month, they've been doing that. And an incredible job at it. And I know the players, for the ones that turned in, really took a lot from it because there are a lot of questions from a player side about the business of the National Lacrosse League. One of the great things that came from the meetings last year was Chet Konezny's program that he's doing with the Halifax Thunderbirds, the Black Athlete Alliance, and the Indigenous Players Lacrosse Association to work towards bridging that gap. And that was one of, the main, one of the main focus points and goals of the Business Summit to open doors of communication and allow players to reach out and help bridge that gap, grow the game, and be an impact in their communities. I, like Jessica and many others, are interested to see what the next big thing is that comes out of this year's Players Business Summit.
So we'll ask her how it went, what were some of the questions, what were some of the ideas, and how we move forward into next year. This is the Deputy Commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Jessica Berman, right here on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. Joined now by the Deputy Commissioner and EVP of Business Affairs, Ms. Jessica Berman. Happy holidays. How are you, my dear? I'm doing well, Teddy, and happy holidays to you and everyone who's listening. Absolutely. Um, let's get it out of the way right away. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Not for my family. Uh, <laughs> I would say my my Christmas experience, which unfortunately this will be the first year that I will be unable to do it since I was three years old, is to see the Nutcracker Ballet at Lincoln oh, wow. Center. And I've done that every year with my mom and dad since I was three. I'm completely devastated that we can't do that. There's got to be a YouTube version you can throw up on the big screen, though, right? At least you can watch it, a version of it. Yes. I will torture my children with <laughs> the sugar plum fairies. Yes. Awesome. Um, the NLL has just finished their second annual Players Business Summit. This was something that you helped start last year um, as you started your uh, process with the National Crossing. Let's start there first. Um, how has your first year in the NLL been? First year has been interesting. <laughs> um, in a lot of ways, uh, what I expected, certainly not the pandemic, mm-hmm. but in terms of my role, the challenges, the opportunities, the professional development, the uh, innovation. I, I think it's been a lot of what I expected. Um, I'm having a ton of fun learning and growing and working with awesome people. I wish we were playing lacrosse right now. I'm still super sad that we only got in two thirds of my first season here. And even more sad that I've spent more time in the NLL with us not playing than mm. us playing. Um, and I can't wait for that equation to shift when we get back on the floor. You have perfected the home office though. That I have finally, I, I've been, I had been working out of my living room. I, I think because I had just refused to come to the COVID circumstances. Um, it proved to be unworkable. Um, probably weeks and months before I finally gave up on it. I converted my guest bedroom to a home office and now I have a proper place to work with a door, which is definitely better. In this first year, obviously with everything that's happened, there's probably a few things on your list of to-dos that you were unable to get to. Well, I think I asked you this during the town hall. What's the thing you're proud of most in this first year that you've helped accomplish? Uh, for me, personally, um, in terms of my my contribution and, and my role in working with our team, uh, definitely closing an expansion transaction in the middle of a pandemic right. uh, was was a huge win. Um, and the quality of the market and the quality of the owner in Bill Cameron and Greg Bibb, the arena where they're going to be playing, uh, all huge wins for the league, super excited about them entering the league next season. Um, the launch of our Fanatics partnership, which launched last month in November, again, 
those conversations, like the expansion conversations, predated COVID, um, but really proud of the fact that uh, none of us let COVID define our future and really stuck to what we know to be true, which is believing in the future of the NLL. So um, really excited about having launched our e-commerce business and the fact that sports fans can go to the place where sports fans shop for merchandise mm-hmm. and buy their favorite NLL gear. I know uh, last week I definitely contributed to our online sales myself <laughs> and purchased, <laughs> purchased NLL merchandise for my kids. And um, although I'll always sport my NHL gear from my 13 years there, I'm tired of getting um, complaints from all of our lacrosse and NLL people. Like you need some NLL gear because I'm always wearing my NHL stuff. So um, I'm excited to, to represent our brand and have merchandise um, to, to show how proud I am to work at the NLL. So the Fanatics deal, now correct me if I'm wrong, the, the Canadian teams aren't on the Fanatics website. Is that correct? Because of um, some sort of minor technicality? They actually are on the Fanatics platform. Um, they're part of a transition while we uh, create a parallel site that's more customized for Canadian fans. Gotcha. Fans of our Canadian teams or in Canada can continue to shop um, in multiple places for a short period of time uh, while we get that parallel site up and running. But uh, in in not too short order, the the experience on the U.S. and Canadian side is going to be exactly the same from how a platform standpoint. Yeah, yeah. And how important is the Fanatic site to, to the growth of the National Crosses? Listen, I, now more than ever, right, I, I think if, if there's uh, uh, evident takeaway from COVID, it's that I think all sports leagues have gotten a huge wake-up call to being intentional and methodical about diversifying our revenue streams. Um, we, we are a live events business. There's no doubt about that, but an opportunity for us to cultivate, build, uh, foster additional revenue streams that aren't dependent on people attending a game in person are hugely important for the continued growth of our league. That's obviously important today when we're not operational from a playing game standpoint. But I think moving forward, I, I think all the leagues have really use this as an opportunity to take a step back and say, you know, what are the, the business operations that we should set up to make sure that we have a diverse set of revenue streams coming into the league or team. Before the player business summit started, uh, the league announced that they would be having um, Wolf athletics join the national cross league. And they're going to be the official goal of the NLL. Now, this may be a question more suited for Brian Lemon, but what does that entail? Like, are we going to see a new looking National Lacrosse League goal? It's certainly something that we're exploring with Wolf Athletics. Um, They are an innovator and are very interested in, in helping to advance the technology that the game has at its disposal. So, um, we we have a working group that's uh, specifically focused on that, and certainly it's our hope and our goal that we can introduce innovations into the game through that partnership. Okay, cool. Um, when I had Chuck Nesny on the show, 
uh, a couple weeks ago, he mentioned that last year's Players Business Summit really sparked an interest and an idea in his mind that has helped him start the program that he's involved with, the Halifax Thunderbirds and Micmac Warriors, and, and a lot of people out uh, on the East Coast. You guys have just finished your second annual Players Business Summit. Do you expect more great ideas to come of this episode as did last year? Definitely expect more great ideas. Uh, we concluded actually the fourth of four sessions this past Monday, December 14. Uh, we had uh, approximately, uh, off the top of my head, I would say probably unique players, 60 to 70 players who participated in, across all of the four sessions. Mm -hmm. I have to thank you, Teddy, for kicking off the first session with the town hall interview of Nick and I. It was really fun to have you facilitate the conversation. I think really helped to present uh, a state of the league that wasn't sort of me and Nick talking at the players, but it felt really conversational. And I think you were able to ask questions that are probably on the players' minds. So mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we, we don't really know exactly what the players want to hear. So that was that was great. So thanks for doing that. I, we got really great feedback from the players. Overall, the feedback we got has been outstanding. Uh, the summit's focused on topics like com our commercial business, marketing, social media, uh, lacrosse operations. Uh, and our last session, which was this past Monday, was focused on CSR, diversity, inclusion, and grassroots. And Specifically with respect to our last session, and maybe it's because it was the most recent one, I've gotten a lot of follow-up emails from the players who were in attendance, mm -hmm. really uh, thanking us for the opportunity to, to learn more about those areas. We actually had Andrew Ferentz, a former NHL player, join to talk about how he used and, and leveraged his commitment to community and social impact to help um, build his credibility with the community. Um, and I think the guys really enjoyed hearing from him. He's a, if you don't know him or his story, he's a self-described, or I shouldn't say self-described, someone told him once and now he self-describes himself as a Renaissance man, which I can absolutely corroborate. He has so many outside interests that really helped him to be so multidimensional and probably one of the reasons why he has so many fans. Um, yes, he played in the NHL for 17 years, but as he told our guys, you know, it's not like he was a, a first-line player. Mm -hmm, he, mm -hmm. he was really able to capitalize on the fact that people really identified with and cared about him as a human, and they recognized the kind of person he was and the values he stood for. And that was really the, the hope in bringing him to the summit is that the guys could get inspired by him and really feel empowered to use their platform for change. I, I have a, lots of quotes on my wall around me, and one of them that sits right next to me says, sport has the power to change the world. Obviously, Nelson Mandela's quote, I, I truly believe that. And uh, my hope is that the session that we had this past Monday was recorded and we're distributing to the players who couldn't attend really inspires them to leverage their platform for change. Obviously, the, the pandemic and not being able to hold this in person played a major impact on who attended and who didn't, but were you pleased with the turnout of the players through these four weeks? Yeah, I was. Um, I, I recognize that, you know, giving up your Monday evenings for four consecutive Mondays, I think in total, 
we were we were with the players for nine to ten hours over the mm-hmm. course of four Monday evenings. It's a lot. It was, it was a big a big commitment. We definitely had our regulars who participated, and I had a bunch of guys send me notes that you know conflicted with bedtime for their kids, which I could definitely relate to. Um, some of them had to work uh, their other jobs in the evening, so you know lots of conflicts across the board, but. Um, I think for the players who attended in person, they, we were able to have breakout rooms and really have a dialogue as opposed to presentations. And for the guys who weren't able to attend, we recorded it. And, and frankly, that's the benefit of doing it virtually is that right. we now have an evergreen piece of content that the guys can watch at their leisure and, uh, of course, to reach out to us if they want to discuss further or have any questions. Was there a, a comment from a player that kind of struck you as sort of new and the fact of some maybe something you haven't thought of that you'd like to integrate? Yeah. Um, well, I continue to be amazed, I should say, by our players. Um, you know, I, I come from the NHL world where the guys are exclusively and perhaps understandably, but exclusively focused on playing hockey. And the players in our league, for better or worse, in part because this is not all of their full-time jobs, are so much more multidimensional. So, you know, many of them work in finance or they might be lawyers or doctors. Um, they, they just have a lot to contribute from a business perspective. Um, and so it, it was great to be able to hear their questions because, Many of their questions were good questions, but also their ideas. And um, I think for them, just uh, many of them have taken the opportunity to really walk in the door of us inviting the players in. And I've I've had follow-up one-on-one calls with probably 10 players who reached out to say, hey, can I pick your brain? I'm interested in sport management or hey, I'm looking to build a grassroots program. I understand you could do this at the NHL. Can, can I get your feedback? Um, Chet's one of them who, who's really sort of seized the opportunity to take me up on my offer that anyone who ever wants to chat, that, uh, you know, I, I have an o- a virtual open door and <laughs> um, always available. And so um, it's been great to get to know the guys. When we look towards whatever 2021 is going to be, there are a lot of challenges that we're all going to face. With the National Cross League, what's the easiest solution, do you think, for how we're going to get the 35th season done? Hmm. Easiest solution. Well, I I guess I'll I'll answer it slightly differently, which is, Mm -hmm. like, what do we have going for us? Um, you know, what's in the, in the win column, um, in the win column is that, you know, our guys, our players want to play and their passion for the game is, is unmatched, um, in my experience. And so I think that's a huge win. It's something we have going for us. Um, it, it certainly motivates me to continue to, be solution oriented and anytime we hit roadblocks or obstacles to face those down and say, well, we need to find a, a way around this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, the obstacles are real. I, I, I will obviously acknowledge that. Um, but, you know, we've been unrelenting in our efforts to try to figure out a workable solution. It's not going to be easy. We all know that. And it is, Nick has talked about multiple different scenarios for when we get further on to 2021. Is there one that stands out more likely than others? Well, you know, in October, we made our announcement that we were targeting the April 9th weekend to start our season, and that's still the case. Um, lots of sort of ups and downs since October. And depending on the day, week, or hour, you may feel optimistic or pessimistic about that target. Um, just sort of depends on the moment. And Nick, I, I think, appropriately describes this as like running in quicksand. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're, we're all just sort of uh, trying to balance the forest and the trees, if that makes sense. Like, keep an eye on the calendar be disciplined about not forcing decisions before we have to make them, knowing that the circumstances are changing so quickly, but also realizing that, you know, the days are passing quickly. And so we have a lot of work to do. As Nick Nick and I uh, shared with the players in, in a recent meeting with them, um, I, I can say for, for he and I probably for sure, and a lot of the members of the league office, We've never worked harder, um, and I've been through two lockouts at the NHL where I lived in a hotel room across the street from the NHL office on 6th Avenue and literally didn't go home, um, and I have never worked more than I've been working in the last, uh, at least the last three months, but really even dating back to March. It's, it's just been a nonstop sprint, um, mostly motivated by, as I said earlier, just the our refusal to let COVID define us um, and to just be unrelenting and trying to find a solution. And ultimately there are some things that are just completely out of our control, but yeah. anything that's uh, even tangentially in our control, we are exploring, considering, modeling, investigating, vetting. Um, and, you know, all that takes a lot of time and, and work. And there's a whole team of people um, at the league office and at the teams that are working tirelessly to try to make this happen. With the new leadership with the PLPA and Reed Reinhold and Zach Courier, how have your conversations been with them? Um, it, not only in their transition to take over, but in moving the league and the players forward together. Uh, it's been great. Um, you know, they, they're wonderful on a personal level, um, interested in learning, uh, ask a lot of great questions, uh, want to be partners in how we approach the future. Um, super challenging times for them to take over the union, right. um, particularly a union that, you know, it's not like they've had a lot of transition in the past. So, you know, very steep learning curve, but as active players in the league, they come with a unique perspective and, an important perspective of, you know, want really wanting to and genuinely seeing the opportunity to maximize the opportunities we have. You know, they they see the same vision that that I saw, frankly, when Nick invited me to take this job and join him and uh, become the deputy commissioner of the NLL. There, there's huge opportunity here. It's a great sport. 
It has a great culture. It has all the makings of what really could and should be a top professional sports league in North America. And, you know, they, they're anxious to, to have that be the reality and want to work with us to make that happen. I, you know, might we have differences along the way of how to get there? Sure. But, you know, as long as we're all sort of working towards the same goal, I, I'm, you know, I'm confident that we'll, we'll figure this out. You know, as I've, as I've told them more times than they probably care to hear it, I, before anything else, I, I think of myself as a labor relations professional. I, I really value the union and their role in professional sports. I, I believe that our relationship is the foundation of the growth of the NLL. So to me, there's nothing more important than the uh, having a constructive relationship with them. The foundation of our sport stems from the indigenous peoples uh, of the land. And you just recently had uh, a great insightful conversation with Lyle Thompson um, on Zoom uh, a couple weeks ago. The more and more that you talk to him and players like him, of uh, you know, of the reserves around North America and the indigenous players in our league, what do you continue to be amazed by the resolve? Or how do you continue to be amazed by the resolve and their want to continue to spread the word of, of this great sport. Yeah, well, I'll also, first of all, the interview I did with Lyle Thompson was one of my favorite um, experiences. Uh, you know, he's just so inspiring, so humble, so genuine and authentic. Um, and, you know, I, I just found his commitment to this, issue to be infectious you know he he lit a fire under me to make sure that we don't disappoint him or other indigenous players who are really trying to right the wrongs of the past and make sure that the heritage of our game is appropriately respected and celebrated so you know he and the indigenous players in our league have my support and commitment to do everything I can to facilitate that. Um, this weekend, I listened to the interview between Frankie Brown and Devin as well. Mm. And um, I'm a little bit behind on my content these <laughs> days, um, but I did get to it on Saturday. I keep a list of things I want to listen to. And whenever I'm in the car, I, I cycle through them. And, um, you know, his, his interview, I, I was really moved by. It actually spurred me to uh, listen to a series of podcasts that I believe it was Historic, Historical Canada um, put out on residential schools, a three-part series, which was quite traumatizing, I have to say. Yes. Um, and, you know, really the bottom line is that, you know, I, I guess the answer to your question, like what amazes me, um, at least the players that I've spoken to who play in our league, who come from Indigenous communities, um, the thing that amazes me is their uh, willingness to share their culture, um, their genuine positivity and forgiveness. I think starting from a place of forgiveness and just wanting to be understood and accepted for who they are uh, without compromise. And, you know, I, I, I respect so much that approach. And, uh, and as I said, committed to doing everything we can to help to facilitate 
spreading and sharing that message, as well as uh, doing what we can to leverage the NLL to be uh, a source to inspire change and help the next generation because some of the, the wrongs that are shared, which are not in the too distant past, um, are really horrifying. And um, anything, the fact that I have the privilege of working in a sport that has such an influence on that community is, is a privilege. I, I view it as a privilege, and um, I, I don't take that responsibility lightly. I spoke with Delby Palace last week on the podcast and about his book, Medicine Game, and, and, and the struggles that he went through and dealing with racism as a young lacrosse player and in sport and how it affects him. How, as a league, as a culture, do you think we tackle getting racism out of sports? Well, I think it has to start from a place of um, helping people to find empathy. Um, I, I've always felt that um, if you can get people to a, a vulnerable place where they can identify something about themselves, that uh, they've either experienced that was negative or that um, made them feel less than, even if it wasn't defining per se in their life the way that racism might be, that you can at least come from a place where they can relate, even if it's like, you know, just conceptual. But if the conversation is, is solely sort of academic and completely detached, real change comes from your, your heart. And, you know, I, I think that at the end of the day, good people, most people have good intentions. And if you can tap into the humanity in people that I, I have to believe that we can get to a better place. I also believe that, a lot of racism, this is just my own experience, my own observation, comes from lack of exposure or ignorance. And, you know, it, it's not a question of sort of blame or whose fault it is, but people grow up in circles, social circles, typically, that look like them, that share their background. And um, that leads people to use and substitute stereotypes and generalizations for people who are not like them. Mm. And so I think the second component after empathy is exposure and experience and, you know, really um, identifying the similarities between people. Like even if you, if you listen to my interview with Lyle, I actually was thinking about this as I was interviewing him and hearing his response, like everything that he was describing about, the values that define the indigenous community are, you know, I'm, I identify as Jewish and many of those values are similar to my values. They're the value that I was raised on respect and tradition and certainly respect for your elders and storytelling and the history of your people and language. Um, you know, those are all things that I can relate to. It's like all of a sudden, he doesn't feel so different from me. And so if you can just take the time to like lower your barriers um, that protect you or shield you from different 
people or different communities and open your heart to learn and understand some of the things that you might be able to relate to, you can, I think, feel that you aren't so different and you can break down those biases and maybe catch yourself when those microaggressions or unconscious bias begin to control the way you're reacting to different people or different situations. That's very well said. Um, news today broke out that the PLL and the MLL were going to be merging together. Now, there's obviously a lot of overlap between our league and their league, indoor and outdoor, and there was a lot of questions going to be asked. Maybe this kind of simplifies a lot of those questions. But when you heard this news, what were your initial thoughts? Well, I had um, I had two two streams of thoughts. Um, my first thought was just more broadly, sort of from the macro perspective. I, I'm sure we've talked about it in our various discussions in the past, um, and I know I've talked about it with others as well. You know, I've always sort of felt for the last year or so that the fragmentation in the lacrosse space is, you know, really our biggest enemy. It's the thing I think that's probably holding the sport back the most. So um, having unification in the outdoor game obviously reduces that fragmentation. So I think that united front is, is really a good thing for the sport um, and uh, really will streamline our ability to create meaningful partnerships with the outdoor game Um however those details end up coming together. So um, I think from a macro perspective, this is, this is a great thing. Um, the second stream of thought, which is really more like on a personal level, um, having been through different mergers and uh, different business transactions that are somewhat similar, I, I did think of the people who might be losing their jobs or you know, any, you know, potential impact it might have on in the short term on different players who, you know, will there be enough spots for everybody and, you know, all of all of those sorts of questions. And I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of those answers will, will, um, will flesh out, be fleshed out over the next however many weeks and months. But, you know, ultimately, those are sort of short term sacrifices, I think unfortunately, for, for the long-term good of the game. And I do think if lacrosse as a sport is able to achieve the greatness that we all think it can, uh, and I, I say that with, with respect as someone who's not necessarily a lacrosse person, but I obviously joined the league because I see the vision and believe in it, then I, I think that unification is going to be really helpful to grow the game. There are so many questions and unknown answers that we have between the next few days, weeks, and months leading up to April. And one of the things that you and Nick both stressed during that town hall call during the players' business stuff, because a lot of the players had questions, you know, what happens if a player gets COVID? Is he in the IR? Does he still get paid? You know, who's responsible? And all. We don't know those answers because we're not there. So we kind of have to play the short slash long game for that. But as we move into a new year, what's the biggest goal right now for the NLL moving forward? Yeah, I think um, biggest goal is to um, balance 
short and long-term priorities. So, you know, we really want to and are working feverishly, literally night and day to have a 2021 season and to figure out what the model is that's going to work best. And, um, you know, as I said, um, vet every possible scenario and, you know, keep that target date of April 9th in mind. Um, but also begin, um, as we have, thinking about the future. And you've heard some of the other leagues talk about this as well. Like everyone, even, you know, the big leagues, NHL, NBA, um, sort of recognize that we need to do everything we can to get to this light at the end of the tunnel, which we all now see. The only question is, when is it going, when are we actually going to realize the light? Is it going to be in the spring? Is it going to be in the summer? Mm -hmm. Um, We don't actually know the answer to that question yet. Um, And there's so many factors and variables that will determine uh, when and how life can return to a new normal, whatever that new normal is going to be. But um, what we want to make sure we avoid is, not being ready to seize the moment when we are past the tunnel, when we are able to feel the light that's at the end of the tunnel for next season, for, for the 21-22 season. So just always keeping that in the back of our mind, and as I said, sort of balancing that short and more long-term priorities. The last time we spoke, uh, one of your priorities was the Hall of Fame. That has been announced. We're moving towards that. Um, we are nearing the end of the year. Is there a chance in the next few weeks we get a class of 2020, or is that going to be a 2021 thing? Well, the process is underway. Um, you know, given where we are in the calendar, uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, it's likely to slip into the 2021 calendar year for a lot of reasons. But um, it is still moving and active and happening. Um, I was actually on a call earlier today uh, with the committee. Um, and so everything is is definitely moving along. And I'm super proud and excited to have been part of the team that really reworked the rules and uh, made sure that we appropriately celebrate the the greats of our game in the past. Um, and ultimately provide an appropriate platform to celebrate their accomplishments. So um, I can't wait till we're in a position to announce the inductees. And I, I think it's going to be an opportunity for the sport to really come together and and be proud of the accomplishments of these amazing contributors. 100%. I could not agree more. Uh, what's the next movie on the family Christmas list that's going to be watched? Well, you you can't get through a holiday season without watching Home Alone, right? I mean, yeah, we yeah. will definitely we will definitely watch Home Alone. I will definitely battle with my twelve year old. He will want to watch Star Wars, all of them, because he always wants to watch Star Wars. So well, that's I'll have to smart, Jessica. That's smart. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> I hope I don't get like too much hate hate mail on that, but I'm just not a Star Wars lover. I'm just too much of an, a realist to really like let myself go into like the Star Wars world, but my son is obsessed. So um, I, I, I will definitely end up having to watch a couple of Star Wars. Um, 
and we'll uh, we'll sprinkle in um, some of the more traditional Christmas movies. But you tell me, give give me one, give me a good one to watch with my kids. Well, What's your favorite uh, holiday well, movie? I'm gonna go with the the Jim Carrey Grinch. That'll be on there. Uh, I've never seen that. Oh. And we love Jim Carrey. Okay, well you okay, just put it on your list. There you go. I'm going to watch it this weekend with them. Perfect. Um, I'm going to have to can watch. I tell uh, my kids that you, can I tell yeah, my kids that you suggested absolutely, it? Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, the Mickey's Christmas Carol, the Disney special um, will be on there. That's always a childhood favorite of mine. Um, so those are, those are definitely two on the list, but it's going to be a, a very different Christmas for everybody. So I hope you're doing lots of baking, lots of time with the kids. And as always, appreciate your time. Um, and all the uh, endless work that you and Nick and everybody in the office are doing. So thank you so very much. Happy holidays, and uh, we'll talk to you in the new year. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, here's to a better 2021. That's Jessica Berman, Deputy Commissioner of the National Lacrosse League and Executive Vice President of Business Affairs. And it will be interesting to see what a new lacrosse net will look like for the National Lacrosse League. I've heard some rumblings, but rumblings are rumblings. If they can find a way, and one of the things they've always tried to find is a way to steady the nets so that they're not coming off their magnets so easily. Um, That is a major focal point, but it's not easy because you have to think of player safety. You have to think of goaltender safety And with the way that our sport is, those nets do tend to come off quite easily. So if they can find a way to keep them in place and yet keep players and goaltenders who are crashing into pipes safe, then I think that is great. I don't think they'll change the size of the main part of the goal, like the front three pipes. But there might be change to the other aesthetics of the net. But we'll see what Wolf Athletics can do and what they can coordinate with Brian Lemon and the Players Association and how that works because that's going to have to get signed off, I think, by a lot of people. So we'll just have to wait and see on that. Uh, The Players Business Summit, again, was um, a great success to an extent. Uh, Maybe it's because... It's, you know, Monday nights, the timing that it was that there weren't as many players involved that I think they would hope for. But just getting some of the rookies and some of the veterans on those calls to talk about what's going on is important. Get some feedback, see what they have to say. And I know a lot of people in those situations weren't comfortable, you know, asking questions or saying their names. Um... But I think we need to, you know, there's, as they always say, there's no bad questions or anything like that. The questions that you have is a question that somebody else had. And we need to just get those questions out there. Because as a player, I wish I had these moments of business summits or true one-on-ones with the commissioners and people behind the scenes to ask them those types of questions. And now that you have those, you need to be able to take advantage of them and find out what is what. 
Because if, like I said, if you have a question, someone else has that question as well. And like many of us, we all question what 2021 will look like. Because I sure don't know, but I hope it is better than the last eight months have been. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at off the crossbar or follow the show on Instagram. It's OTCB podcast. This is the last show of 2020. We will join you in the new year and we will start fresh and we will look forward to the 35th season in national lacrosse league history. Thanks to Kyle Devitt. Thanks to Jessica Berman. And of course, thank you to you our loyal listener. Have an amazing, happy, healthy, safe holiday season. All the best from me and Bear to you and your family. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.